Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. Johnny President. And today we're going to be doing a review of Root. Then we're going to be looking at our top five board games that we enjoy playing with our wives. So thanks for joining us for episode number nine. residents of Meeple Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean with a top hat and a diaper on, flying through the air on a string in our podcasting room with a white wig on. You know why? The white... (laughs) Wait, okay. The white wig... I think I stumped you for a second. The white wig on top of a top hat. Uh huh. All right, and all right. So, so the diaper is Valentine's Day. The diaper is Valentine's I'm Day. I'm guessing the white wig and top hat President's Day. President's Day, and it's on top of the top hat just because I'm weird. Okay. Is that uh, appropriate? Is that is that appropriately even, weird? Yes. Appropriately weird. Um. Yeah. So Valentine's Day was is past, but you know, just wanted to throw that out there, especially since we're going to be doing a top five games that we like to play with our wives. I thought that that would be uh, appropriate for you to be dressed like that today. What do you think there? No, I don't. You you never think that what I say you're dressed <laughs> in is actually appropriate. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, should I just jump to the polls, Dean? Yep, let's talk about polls. Let's just like get past the initial weirdness that I like to start the episodes with. Um that I I when I start these when we start these episodes, I think, you know, hey, what is the weirdest thing that I could do? And that's kind of where we go. And you do it. You, you, I do it. You crush it every time, John. I, I am. I, I am. I do. You are the president of of weird. Yes. And that's why I said Johnny President, because it was President's Day. So if you are listening to us outside of the U.S. of A. this last Monday, right? Is that right, Dean? Yep, yep, that's right. This last Monday was President's Day here, which is generally a day where really nothing much happens except for banks are closed and kids get out of school. That's about right. So if you aren't a U.S. of A person, you may not have known that not many people do much for President's Day. Now, if you're a presidential lover, you may be screaming at our podcast right now going, <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't believe that that you don't do anything for President's Day. Um, but we don't. All right, so, poll time. <laughs> Let's cut off John's ramblings. All right, Dean, what do you think about this? So last episode, we talked about uh, some Kickstarters, Right. We did. Because that's why I did the poll. Yeah. yeah. But now I'm forgetting what we talked about. (laughs) Well, we did. We talked about Western Legends as a review last time. I'm sorry. And it was Damien who's doing a Kickstarter on Rusty Industry. Right, right. Wow. Okay. Um, So I decided to do two polls. The first one we did was how many games will you kickstart this year? Now, this was the most votes yet again. So I, last time I asked Meeple Town, I said, hey, go out there and vote, and they did. And so the choices were 0, 1 to 2, 3 to 4, or 5 or more. Did you see the end results of this yet? I have not. Okay, so I'm going to toss it to you, and what do you think? What, what do you think won? 0, 1 to 2, 3 or 4, or f- more than 5, 5 or more? I'm going to say I'm gonna say 3 or 4. That was the least. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. A swing and a miss. Shows how much I know on this. Yeah. Five or more? That was third place. 
Oh wow! Oh, we don't have some. We don't have Kickstarter. I thought backers. that you in Meeple Town were like in tune with each other. I thought you say so. that with polls. Yeah, I don't know what I voted on that one. So you don't know what you. All right. So actually, the first was zero, at thirty six percent. Really? Okay. Yeah, and we we can talk about that here in a second. But and the second was um, one to two at twenty eight percent. But five or more was twenty five. So really, they were all. Pretty close. Three to four was only eleven percent, which that makes sense because maybe people aren't. But I would just, I just thought maybe once a quarter someone's, you know, you know, back in a Kickstarter or whatever. So, what do you think about that zero? Do you think that that is because folks don't love Kickstarter, or they just, I mean, I, I do just think, wait. Yeah, I think maybe there's a a decent amount of people out there that that are not enamored by Kickstarter um, because it there is there are some issues you know sometimes if you if you back a kickstarter especially if you want to support uh, a new company or anything like that then there's a good chance that you might not get the game and it's an unknown entity you don't know if it's going to be a good they game they can cancel the kickstarter That's even right. if it's been um funded sure yeah yeah so there's a lot of different reasons i think why people don't like kickstarter and 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 you know the the companies that have lots of kickstarter exclusives I know people are turned off by that. They would rather not support it than, you know, play into the game of I have to kickstart this right now, otherwise I'm gonna miss out on these awesome miniatures that are in this yeah. game. So And and sometimes, especially when you're talking about these games coming from other countries, I'm I'm talking here in the US and if you're in other countries then you would probably say the same thing if it was coming from the United States. Shipping can kind of be expensive. The games right. like the kick like by the time you're done kickstarting a board game, I mean, unless it's like a card game or something small, you're generally paying 70 bucks at least, would sure. you say, Dean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, upwards to 150 on some, 200 on some of the nice ones with t- tons of miniatures and stuff. So I can see that stopping people a little bit, them saying, let's just wait till it comes on Cool Stuff Inc. and I can get it for 45 bucks. Yeah. You and, know. and, you know, a lot of people that like to support their local game stores, there's a that's lot a, of yeah, different that's reasons. That's a really good point, too. Yeah, a really good point. Um, but yeah, one to two is, is, it was second place. And that's probably the category I honestly fall into. I'm not a huge, I can't wait to kickstart something, but I'll, I'll pick a game or two, I think a year and be like, you know what? That looks great. Speaking of that, I will kickstart Glenmore too. Yes. <laughs> we talked about which there's more of that to come. Uh, I don't mean to derail us, but we did get a um, interview with Nils from Fun Tales, and it was really fun. And you'll actually after you hear this episode a week or less after it'll be posted. Um, Dean, I'll ask you this other one now because I, I did a follow up question because I thought, especially with everyone putting like not everybody with 36 percent putting zero, we've kind of already had this conversation a little bit. But I thought. This is, you know, maybe a loaded question. People argue this all the time. Is Kickstarter overall good for the board gaming hobby? Yeah, it is. a. I think that's a tough question. I, I think it is uh, for, for some reasons. I think it's good because you have some companies that might not be noticed otherwise. You know, Kickstarter is a good platform to kickstart your company. That's the whole idea behind it. So I think in in that aspect it is because if you're if you're an individual, you have a great game idea, and you want to get that out there yourself, there's not really a great way to do that because you Absolutely. might not have the capital to be able to just throw a game out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and to reaching, get the publisher's attention. Yeah, that's that difficult. And so some people would rather just have control over all that, which I think is fine. So I think in that aspect, it's, it's great. Uh, I would say that the Kickstarter exclusives that are impossible to get afterwards are 
are a turnoff to some. And I think that's, uh, I don't know, take it or leave it. I, I, you know, I'm not going to say if it's, if it's good or bad. I've, I've backed Kickstarters that have those kind of exclusives because I don't want to miss out. Yeah. But it is frustrating to a lot of people I know. Yeah. It, from a marketing standpoint, it makes perfect sense. Sure. I mean, it really does. Uh, but I would understand why people would get, would get frustrated. Well, Meeple Town agrees with you a big time because 74% said it was, it's a good thing. Only 11% say it's bad, and 15% said not sure. I personally lean towards it's good, um, but I, I I don't know if I fit in the not sure. I, I would probably say it's a good thing, and mostly because it allows, like you said, people who don't have a voice to have a voice, people who couldn't get games out to be able to get games out. And I do think because of that, it does, uh, I think it has pushed the quality of games up. I think it's done a lot for, for the hobby. So I think it's a good thing, but there are some, you know, uh, some some drawbacks to it. I mean, it's it's it, it definitely is frustrating if you back something that gets canceled or continually gets pushed back, or they talk about it and it's two years later before it comes out. It's just kind of like really like that. And I understand why cost production, blah blah blah. But there's some things like that that can kind of frustrate you uh, about Kickstarter. But and I know for me, I, I I kind of go into that expecting it. If I kickstart something, I. I kind of want to just kickstart it and then forget it. You kind of learn to have no expectations for yeah, when you no expectations, get it. and I think that's that's healthy. <laughs> yeah. You know, for for you know, not driving yourself crazy if the date gets pushed back five times. I don't even usually know because I have no idea what you know from a game that I've kickstarted. I have no idea when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, I think Dean and I both think that overall Kickstarter is good. There are some negatives, and we didn't touch. There's probably a few more negatives that I could bring up, but. Yeah, I'm just we're just gonna move right along because overall, well, we think it's good. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks like you do as well, Meeple Town. So Dean, what have you actually I know the answer to this question that I'm tossing your way because I watched you play it. You did, and you had an opportunity to play this and you did not. I did not. So I didn't finish the question. What have you oh. been playing lately? <laughs> yeah. I... Um Well and, and, and let me answer that real quick before you go. <laughs> well, you're gonna answer what I've been playing? No, I'm oh. gonna answer why I didn't play the game. Oh, gotcha. Because you just you left that out there for Meeple Town. They're like, well, why wouldn't John play? I won't tell you what game it is. I'll let Dean, you know, <laughs> spill the beans there. But it we were at a, a local game. Uh, what Sunday afternoon game thing uh, after church we went out there and to the library and people were playing games now Dean was there before me and I showed up in the middle of an explanation of a game that's not I don't think it was overwhelmingly complicated but there was stuff to it and the last thing I wanted is to be that guy who sits down and the guy has to re-explain half of the game or more than half of the game because I just got there. So that makes, I, that makes sense. I just sat there for two hours and noodled on my computer <laughs> and watched it. So go for it, Dean. Well, it is a good game to watch. I think this game. It was fun. Is called Nemesis, and this is by Awaken Realms. The designer is Adam Kwapinski. and Nemesis is essentially Alien, the movie, the board game. Yeah, that's that's really what this is. But so. Imagine this, John. You wake up on a spaceship uh, from hibernation. You wake up, and you're surrounded by some other crew members. The The ship may or may not be working, and you're trying to get back to Earth, and there's also aliens on this ship. That sounds like a wonderful experience. It, it actually, it really was. I'll get to that. But, so this is a cooperative game in the sense of you have to go fix the engines or check on the engines to make sure that they're good. And then you also have to go to the front cockpit to tell to, to look at the coordinates to see where the ship is heading. You may 
you probably want to go to Earth, although if you have a secret, secret objective that, that wants you to go somewhere else like Mars, then, uh, then that's a possibility too. But that's really the, the, the cooperative part. Fix the engines, get the coordinates correct, and then get back to Earth. All right, but you are each drawing two different secret objectives, and then you're going to pick one of those objectives a little bit later in the game. And your objectives could be that you want to escape by yourself, or it could be that you want to see another player die, or it could be that you know you're you're trying to bring the the spaceship to Mars instead of Earth. And so you you're working together, but at the same time you're you're so worried about what the other player's objectives are and how they're going to mess with you. <laughs> and so it's it's a really intense game because of that. It's it's super thematic. It really does feel like you're being bombarded by aliens and it feels it really does have that same intense feeling as Alien the movie does. Yeah. And it's uh, it's just such a cool game. It's stressful. It's it's great. I, I really enjoyed it. It I, I just thought that that, that aspect of you know, co-op but not really co-op. The who is gonna sabotage what you're trying to do? Right. Who's coming after you first? Or like, I noticed people like trying to lock folks in doors and putting them in different um, places on the ship so that they couldn't get out if fire started, if uh, aliens dropped in, and it was just like that. That would be strategically an interesting like thing to go through. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I, I sat there watching. I was like, man, how would I do this? If I knew my objective was this and I wanted to stop them, but yet I still want to remain a friendly a little bit. Right. Right. And you, the thing is you kind of have to check behind people to make sure they're doing what they say they do. So when, when you have somebody that goes to the back of the ship to check the engines, what they do is they look at the top tile of one of two tiles. It's either yeah. the engines either running or it's not. And so they'll look at the top one and if it's running, they can say it's running. But if they don't want the ship to, to actually work, they might say, yeah, this engine's running, but it's not. Yeah. And so you kind of, you have to waste actions if you don't trust somebody to go check behind them to make sure they're telling the truth. Yeah. I think it's cool. My, my objective was to research, I essentially had to research aliens twice, and then I had to escape the ship. I didn't have to, I didn't have to get to Earth, I don't think. I think I just had to survive. And so... I researched the aliens. It took me a really long time because the the layout of the ship is unknown. So you have to explore, flip over the tiles and find out where these, you know, I had to find a lab and I had to find these dead aliens and stuff and drag the alien carcass to to the lab. And then I escaped on a skate pod and 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 won. I was actually the only person to win this game and it felt it felt Pretty cool awesome. because yeah, I had to have a lot of things fall in line for other people to kill aliens in order for me to be able to get out the escape hatch. I know when you were like three quarters through, you were like, "I'm done." Yeah, I'm I had no chance. I, I thought no for chance. sure I was done. I remember thinking, "Yeah, I thought that was yeah." I thought it looked fun. It, <clears throat> for me, I'm not gonna run out to play it. But if you had the game or something and someone invited me, I would definitely play it after watching you guys play for sure. Yeah, it's not one that I'm going to pick up, but I, I do want to play this again. But I, I, the downsides, it's, it is, I think it took us about three hours to play the game. Now, that was with three new players. One knew the game and he taught us really well. He did a great job. But it, it takes a long time. And another really frustrating thing, and I understand it because I think it makes it more thematic, but there's player elimination. And so what happened in our game is we had a guy die, I think about an hour into an the hour, game. Yeah. And so he had to wait an hour and a half or two hours just watching us, just like you, you know, like yeah. <laughs> you just weren't like able to play. sad old John. Yeah, which I was okay with, especially because we had multiple tables going. But if you're doing a, a game night with five people, 
and you're playing this game and then you're out and you just have to sit and watch for an hour and a half that might be a big turn off yeah although it's it is pretty fun to watch i think yeah it was fun to watch it was fun to watch but yeah i could definitely see i mean it depends on your personality some people like to watch games they're into that some people are like i'm not playing this is boring right and i could really see so if that's you you will not probably want to play this game very at all yeah because if you get out early then you're just sitting there yeah, and if you're not a, a Euro Thrash or a Marathrash gamer, you probably won't like this because it's there's there's luck and things like that yeah. involved in it as well. And the, the miniatures were really cool. Yes, stuff I thought. Yeah, it's I, a miniatures game. I didn't yeah. say that, but there's yeah. lots of cool alien yeah, miniatures. Mini- there, <clears throat> yeah, it's cool. The art's pretty cool and stuff. So yeah. Um, what about you? Yeah. What what about <laughs> what have you been playing? Here, let me answer that you question for you. You shot that at me. <laughs> Would you please answer that for me, Dean? John, Dean knows actually, I don't what, know what you're going to say. Dean, well, you know what? I'm going to bring up a game that you just let me borrow. Because I've had it. It's an old game. Okay. I've had it on my radar to kind of play for a while, actually. But it's never really hugely piqued my interest is why I've never played it. And that is Shot and Totten. Shot and Totten. Or Battle Line, I or guess. Battle I think Line. it's pretty much the same game. It is. I actually looked it up just to kind of see. Uh, they Instead of going cards 1 to 9, you go to 10. And then Battle Line was, I believe, the one that initiated the extra cards. And then the extra cards that you can play, not just oh, right, numbers yeah. 1 through uh-huh. 9 in Shot and Totten. <clears throat> and then that caused them to, when they reprinted Shot and Totten, actually have add those types of cards. And I don't know if the cards are a little bit different, but... but in Battle Line or Shot and Totten, you basically you have these like nine stones that you're trying to compete with your it's a two player game that you're trying to compete with whoever you're playing with. They're in the middle of the table and you're playing cards one through nine or one through ten. And you're trying to I wouldn't say it's kind of like poker, but you're, you're kind of. You're trying to come up with like matching, you know, th- th- three pairs or a straight or a uh I guess kind of a, a flush, like the same colors, like all Not three, three of the pairs, same colors. Three of a kind. Three of a kind. There we go. Did I say three pairs? Mm-hmm. That'd be six cards. You can only put three you cards. You can only put unless you're just, playing really wrong. Oh man, we had like twelve cards in each row. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was just me uh, misspeaking. So yes, it would be three of a kind, not three pairs. That was a dummy thing to say. But anyway, and then obviously certain ones are worth different value. So you're just laying a card down on your side. Uh, he or she, whoever you're playing with, is laying their card down on their side. Same thing, going back and forth, going back and forth, and you're trying to basically have the best hand on each of the stones. And if you do, uh, whenever they've played three and you've played three, you score it, and you get that line if you if you win. So um, I, I didn't have super high expectations coming in, and I, I thought it was just okay. What do you think about it, Dean? It's a fun, quick game that we enjoy going to. It's not our favorite two-player game, as you'll see in our top five list. This one did not make our <laughs> our top five yeah, list. It definitely didn't for us. But uh, but I do enjoy it. I love the artwork on the cards. I think it's I think it's really cool artwork. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people really love this game, and maybe I just need to keep playing it a little bit more. Um, but I just it it just I would rather. I think I told you, Dean. I'd rather play um, Lost Cities. And I know that they're not the same game. They're definitely not. But it has that you play a card, I play a card, you play a card, I play a card kind of feel. And it just, I would just rather play that over this. Um, but I mean, if if you if you really love games like Lost Cities and stuff like that, you should absolutely, I would say, check this out. But it wasn't really for me. But if if, if Dean says let's play Battle Line, I'm gonna say oh okay. I mean, eh. I mean, it depends on what's on the table. Actually, I'd much rather play a heavier game or something but if you if we needed to play a game in 15 minutes sure my wife and i have certain games 
that we that we play that we pull out more often than not. Lost Cities is one of those. But I don't want to play Lost Cities all the time, and so yeah. I throw Shot and Totten into the rotation sometimes. So I I, I enjoy it. I, again, probably not as much as Lost Cities, but for me, it's not too far behind. Yeah, it's maybe I, I maybe just because I played Lost Cities for years now and loved it, then it's kind of like, um, I don't know. Maybe I guess I have that nostalgia a little bit built into where it just doesn't quite, you know, com- compare it. In. But you know, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there because I'd like to throw out an older game. All right. Something that I played. So you've been playing Shot and Totten. I have been playing Nemesis, or I played Nemesis. We're going to get on to our review in just a second, but we wanted to make a quick announcement before we get to that overview and review of, of Root. All right, so the thing that John and I are most passionate about in Meeple Town is strengthening communities. Yeah. And we love hearing from listeners that have reached out to us that have said, hey, we heard about this game that you guys talked about on your podcast. I bought it, introduced my family to it, and now we're playing board games more. We're not watching TV as much. And we've heard some of those stories, and it makes us so excited because that's the yes. thing that we want to see happen. 100%. I, I Even personally, like... Board games have brought my wife and I closer together. And actually, maybe I'll, I could share that with the top five we'll do here in a second. But like, in, there was a lot of times when we would just watch TV. And it was when we started introducing board games to where we started, you know, having this interaction. And sometimes it's awesome. And sometimes we get frustrated at each other in the <laughs> middle of a game. But it's it's beautiful because it's not just sitting there staring at a screen. So, yeah, we the social aspect and community building is really really at the heart of what we're doing. And we love hearing that you guys have these stories. We've also been really pleased with how our community has been growing, and it's been really exciting yes, to see thank that. Thank you, Meeple Town. Yes, thank you so much for listening and, and for sharing and letting people know about who we are. We want to continue to see that community grow. And so we're actually going to be doing a giveaway to promote what we have going on here, but also as a thank you to everyone who has been listening to give you an opportunity to win a game that we've been really excited about. So John, why don't you give us the details on that? Yeah. So we are actually going to be doing a review momentarily here on the board game, a root, which Dean and I like, but I won't tell you how much we like it. You'll have to stay tuned. (laughs) Yep. No, I'm not spoiling. Uh, Anyway, we decided we're going to give away uh, the game of root. So what we're, what, if you want to see details on the contest, uh, you actually can go to our Twitter or Facebook page um, which is going to be at Meepletown Games, even our board ga- our board game geek guild thirty four oh seven. But basically, it's going to be simple stuff to help us grow the community. Like subscribe to our fa- uh, YouTube channel, which we want to uh, we really want to start building up those videos and, and again getting that out so people can watch the reviews and go, yeah, my family would like this, or yeah, my you know gaming group would really love a game like this or maybe that one's not for us um so subscribing to youtube uh following us on twitter or if you're already a follower you can retweet it we'll make ways to where if you're already subbing and you're subscribing that there's ways for you to get into the contest and so there'll be multiple ways to get your name in the hat and we'll be doing that for about a week and it should we were planning on dropping this right when we drop this podcast here so as soon as you hear this go to twitter and insert and look for at meeple town games or Facebook at Meeple Town Games or our Board Game Geek. Like I mentioned, I'm just saying this again. Um, so that if you didn't get it the first time, Board Game Geek 3407. I'll probably post it on Instagram, but they don't have as 
easy ways to click on links and stuff like that. But there'll be plenty of ways to look. Um, so go look for that contest. And you know, even if you don't want root, it would be super helpful if you would retweet. You know, this so that again we can continue to grow this and help strengthen uh, communities through amazing, amazing board games. And like John said, there's lots of ways that you can enter into this contest, lots of different entries for it. One of them is going to be to enter a secret word, and that's going to give you some some entries a there. secret word. So I'm going to say that secret word right now. Don't share it. Make people listen to the podcast so that's they right. can have the secret word. But for you listeners, that secret word is community. That yeah. is, again, community. Community. Again, because that's what we are all about. And, and lastly... Um, this won't be part of the the contest, but if you're really enjoying the podcast, it would be a huge help to us if you're listening on iTunes. We're on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you could go give us um, a review on that, especially if you want to give us a five-star review, we would really love that because that's how, um, I mean, just to share with you, that's how other folks can see it more because it'll show up more in iTunes and stuff like that if we have high ratings and people subscribe. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, that would be awesome as well. And I just want to say from my heart, I just really appreciate everyone and all that you've done, everything that people are doing to spread the word about it. It just means a lot to me. So thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. And unfortunately, we don't have the the biggest budget in Meeple Town yet, and so we have to do this only in the continental United States. So I apologize. I know that we have listeners around the world for sure, and I'm so sorry. But at this time, we can only do this in the in the lower 48. And and if this goes well, this these are the kind of things if we can grow this that we'll be able to do. We'll be able to afford <laughs> getting more games and sending them out to other places in, in in the world, other countries, and stuff like that. So uh, even if you're not able to. Uh, enter the competition because of that if you could retweet or again do that kind of stuff it would really help us out so absolutely and since we're doing a giveaway for root why don't we do an overview and review of root Woohoo! root is a two to four player game designed in 2018 by leader games by cole Worley, and the art is by kyle farron plays in 60 to 90 minutes for ages 10 and up Root is an area control game where players will take on the roles of woodland creatures vying for control of the forest. In Root, players are seeking to take actions, play cards, and rule clearings in order to be the first player to reach 30 points. It's a very unique game in that players will take on the roles of different woodland creatures, but each faction plays out asymmetrically. Root's not a difficult game to play, but understanding how each faction plays out can be very time-consuming. That being said, I'll quickly go over a brief synopsis of each of the characters just to give you an idea of how the game plays out. The first faction is the Marquis de Cat, and this faction seeks to turn the woodland into an industrial and military powerhouse. They start off occupying every clearing on the board, and they score points by placing buildings on the board. In order to build more buildings, they must occupy more spaces and produce more wood to be able to have space and to cover the cost of the buildings. Although they dominate the board at the beginning, they also have a big target on their backs. The second faction is the Iri Dynasties, which are the birds. They start off in one quarter of the board and they're trying to spread out. They score a lot of points by building roost in each of the clearings and maintaining those roost. Every round they score points based on the roost they have out on the board. This faction is unique in that they pre-program their actions and they must add one or two more actions each round. Every round they'll play these actions in order, and if there is ever a time that they cannot play an action, 
they'll go into turmoil, meaning that they'll lose points and reset their pre-programmed actions. The third faction is the Woodland Alliance, and they seek to gain the sympathy of the other creatures in the Woodland. They score points by spreading sympathy tokens throughout the board, making it more difficult for others to move around. They need to collect cards to put into their supporter deck in order to spread sympathy. And they can also start revolts, which will remove others from the clearing and establish a base for that Woodland Alliance. The final faction of the base game is the Vagabond, which is the Raccoon. Unlike the other factions, the Vagabond only has one meeple. The Vagabond plays on all sides of the conflict and will seek to make friends and enemies throughout the Woodland to suit his needs. He gains points through helping other friendly characters and through removing pieces of the enemy players. Again, there's a lot going on in this game, but I hope this kind of gives you an idea of how each faction plays out differently rather than give you the details on exactly how the game plays out. Now let's move on to see what we think of Root, a game of woodland might and right. So I think it was December, right, Dean, whenever we did the top five games we really wish that we could play. Was that December? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I think it was because it was around that Christmas time we were thinking, hey, what do we really wish uh, that we could play? And my number one game that I really wish that I could play was Root. So fairly recently, um, I got the game, and Dean and I have had a chance to play it multiple times, uh, and we're here to talk about it it is hugely popular it definitely is if i remember right i didn't go back and listen but i think when you talked about that as being one of your top five games i may have poo-pooed it because i was not very excited you said you weren't that excited about it but i think when i started talking about the different factions and how they're it's asymmetrical i think you said well now i'm kind of interested but overall you were still not really that interested so Maybe I was I wonder, wrong. did it sway you? Did the game sway you? Yeah, were you wrong or were you right and you don't like it? I, guess I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Let's talk about art and components. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of like Dinosaur Island. I feel like this, this hmm. art can be kind of polarizing. For me, when I first That's saw true. it, I wasn't really enamored by it. But then when I got an up close, actually it was when you laid the game out on the table and I was looking at the map I was like oh this is really cool I do really enjoy the artwork on the cards I think they're cool I love the board artwork it is washed out but I still think that not in a bad way I don't mean I don't think that's bad I think that's great that it's washed out and then the meeples are probably the best meeples in any game I've ever played they're (laughs) They're so so cool. cool I love them man they're cool so yeah when it comes to art I was actually asking myself in 2018, what are my favorite art? What's the favorite art for board games? And there's two that really come to mind. One is Everdell, which we uh, reviewed. That was our very first podcast. Also a woodland game. Yeah, that's right. And this, and Root. And that was before I'd played Root. I looked at the art, and that was... I was totally in, just enamored by I just looked I love the art in Root I think I'm going to give the edge to Root and going to say that Root is my favorite art of the year but barely Everdell's art is phenomenal mm. but I you guys know I'm a little strange this is quirky it is and that's why it's polarizing as you would say Dean and I like a little quirkiness and I think the art is so so good there's really nothing like it that I've seen in in, in the board game worlds quite like it I right, mean there's things right. that are kind of like it but quite like it and I love that like washed out look I think that's phenomenal I like the way the trees are drawn it, th- it threw me back to like the, in the 90s 
we were debating this. Is it Schoolhouse Rock? Or I think something? it has a Schoolhouse Rock. Feel yeah, like some it. of the trees, the way they're drawn yeah. and stuff. And I thought that was so cool. But then the or maybe the, Peanuts was the, the other one. The the Charlie yeah, Brown maybe that's art. it. But but the factions, like the people, don't look like that. It was just like the woodland areas and stuff like that. So anyway, art. Two enthusiastic thumbs up, and I would say my favorite art of the year in 2018. So that's coming. That's starting off with the bang. That is that's a, that's a bold statement. That's I, a bold statement. I will say, Marquis de Cat, the art kind of creeps me out a little bit. <laughs> I love I love it. I love it. It's that things. it's that smile on that cat. It, it weirds me out. But, oh but man, I, I do. I really enjoy. But the, the art. it kind of reminds you of the cat in like Alice in Wonderland, who yeah. has that like creepy the Cheshire cat. Yeah, yeah, that's right. A smile, which I think, which again, I think is is really cool. Now the components were all pretty, really good quality. The player mats were fairly thick. I always like it when they're thick cardboard and not just a you know a piece of. Yeah, I don't know, paper stock basically in some, like, laminated or a glossy paper stock in some of the games. So that was good. Um, the meeples or animeeples were awesome. They're so cool looking. Mm-hmm. Um, the faces on them are just, it's so simple. And, like, they look so mischievous. They're It's, it's just, it's really cool. Um, but I will say, whenever I got them, I think it must have happened in shipping, like, some of the there was like some black scraped on some of them which might have come from their eyes like hitting against each other and stuff so i was a little disappointed that like the way that i got it some were they weren't chipped but they were kind of rubbed a little bit and stuff so i got this amazing game and i was so excited that's the only negative that i can say and i would say albeit that's minor and i don't even know if there's anything you can do about that right because you're just shipping so many of those things and it's just kind of inevitable i think uh but overall the quality of the board, everything was good. The art was great. Um, this is, I don't, great production. Yeah, and to, to go back to the to the player boards, I, I love that the that they're thick cardboard, like you said. The other part is that the the directions on those boards I think are very clear. You can, if you know the general yes. idea of how to play the game, you can pick up a board and and really not even know that faction that well. So with as far as those components go, you know, with with the mm-hmm. rules on the board, on I the think board, those yeah. are fantastic. Yeah, I think that's a perfect segue. You just put the gameplay and the art together. That's exactly I, you're, right. You're brilliant, Dean. I, you're, you're brilliant. So yeah, as far as uh, gameplay is concerned, then um, I will say since Dean brought up the rules, this was a little bit. Of took me a little time to learn how to play this game. Not a little bit. This has a steep learning curve. Yeah, it, it, because it's so out of the ordinary. I think, and once you play, I don't think it's difficult. Once you've it's played not. one time, it makes complete sense. Yeah. But getting to that point, it's really daunting. It is, and what makes it difficult, I think, um, and I mentioned this to my to my brother in law last night because I was talking about teaching him this game, and my other brother in law, and yeah, you know, some other folks. It's gonna. It's a. This is gonna be a very daunting game to teach other people to play and the reason is is because you basically have to learn the the mechanics how the board game overall works and then you've got to learn with just the base game four factions and how they maneuver and i mean this one of the one of the things i like about the game is that there's just they they're different and you score victory points differently the way that the mechanics of each uh faction is totally different which is really cool but man, that's like sitting down and teaching four or or five games, <laughs> the, right? How right. to play the 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 how to play this, and then this faction, this faction. Like, I couldn't imagine teaching Root to like three new players. Why you teach them how to play that? I mean that that would take an hour to teach the game. I think. Yeah, the good part in that maybe is not, that but a lot. Once once you've played one game, it's much easier to figure out what those other. 
what the other factions do. So your first game, you 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 really do just have to focus on what do I do? What does yeah. my character do? And then as you're playing out that first game, the other characters start to make more sense because they're they're attacking you and you learn how they attack, how they gain their points, and how you're going to stop them. But that's kind of a gradual teach. Um, so really that first game, you almost count as a wash in the sense of like who cares who won we're just trying to figure this out. But then after that, you, you can pick up another player board and know exactly how to play the other Yeah, and, and a, another like little tip, I guess, that I know a lot of folks do, and I should probably do it more, is like when you start playing a game, do a couple um, run-throughs of, you know, let's all go through it two or three times, then start all over again. Yeah. So instead of just playing the whole game through and frustrating people, say let's 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 cycle through this a few times, get an idea of how the how the mechanics work and how your faction works, and then just we'll restart the game. So I think that's a really really great idea. So what about what else about the what about the um, goodness gracious Dean? What about the gameplay? I could, what's, you know, whenever things are on the tip of your tongue and it just doesn't want to come out. What about the gameplay? Else, do you do you like? Let's start there. What, what do you what do you what do you what did you enjoy? I think this is a weird thing to like, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure you have this as a negative. But I enjoy that the combat is simple. Hmm. In in combat, all you do is you roll you roll two dice. And if you're the attacker, you take the higher number. If you're the defender, you take the lower number. Compare those. And if you have enough meeples to match with those numbers, then you're just going to pull the meeples off the board. And that's the combat. Now, the negative is you can really get you can really get some bad rolls as you got in a in a two player game that we played. As had. I know from experience, <laughs> I'm not. But going I to enjoy Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> I like that it doesn't slow down the game, I guess, is what I'll get at. Some some games, combat can really just, you pause the game and then you have this five-minute battle and then yeah. continue on with the game. This game doesn't do that. You just battle and you, you move on. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that you can do before a battle is if you have an ambush card in your hand that right. matches the spot that you're on the board. You can play it, which deals two damage, two hits to your opponent, which can really be frustrating. But then they could play a an ambush card back at it. and You can and triple stamp that. a double stamp. Yeah, so, but besides that, you are rolling dice and it's it is an interesting uh mechanic where you're like you're rolling you're rolling the dice and whoever's attacking now different factions give you bonuses so this is just an overall statement whoever's attacking rolls a die and it's a zero to three the two dice and they're going to take the high number every time and the the whoever is defending takes a low number now if you're the woodland alliance it reverses that but for the most part that's the way it works so that's it's interesting it's frustrating being the defender sometimes because you're like seriously I'm going to lose but then that makes you think about how you're going to place your guys on the board throughout the game and get you get you thinking and I know we haven't really we shared this but it's 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 asymmetrical, and of course Dean did his overview, so you, you've heard that, but it's asymmetrical, you have four different factions, and you all are doing four kind of different things. Like, I mean, it, it is a lot of area control, and there's battle going on and stuff, but each each faction has like a specific thing that they're doing that's very unique. And even, even mechanically, like, the Eerie is completely different than uh, Marquita Cat or... Uh, the Woodland Alliance or the Vagabond. Because the Eerie, the Eerie has to, they have to be really aggressive on the attacks. They have to to spread through. It. Whereas the Marquis de Cat really needs to to play on the defense more, kind of you know build up their their armies and and kind of like hold their ground and build as many things as they can. Right. On right. The, and but the cool thing is, is not only that, but like they play different in the sense of Eerie. You have to pre-program your moves basically, and you have to complete all of those moves 
and keep doing that every time it's your turn. And if you can't ever, for example, if you if it says you need to battle in a bunny spot and you can't do that because you don't have a person there or whatever, then you go into turmoil with the Eerie and uh, you lose victory points and you kind of have to start all over um, with your cards that you've built up, but you keep everything out on the board and everything like that. So turmoil is bad, but not terrible off, um, sometimes. But that's a completely different mechanic than just me picking with the Marquita Cat oh, here's my eight choices or whatever of things to do, I get to pick three of them. Right. And, you know, even the, the amount of, yeah, the amount of characters that you have. Marquita Cat starts off with uh, a, a maple on every, every single, single one spot. but one. That's exactly Eleven right. different ones. Yeah, and the one that they don't is where the Eerie is. And then you have the, the Woodland Alliance that doesn't even start off on the board. Yeah. And instead of, you know, instead of getting your meeples out there, you're getting these sympathy tokens out there. Then you have the Vagabond who only has the one character that's kind of going one, around Yeah, you've board. got one meeple. That's it. So they're, they're, it's and so you're different. helping other folks. You're trading cra- uh, crafting items and different things like that. So I think um, one, of my, one of my more favorite, and probably not my favorite thing, one of my more favorite parts of this is the theme of it. I love playing the underdog. So I don't love Marquita Cat because you kind of start off as the lords of the forest or the area. I would much rather be Eerie or the Woodland Alliance that doesn't have, the Woodland Alliance doesn't have anyone on the board. We've got to go get sympathy. Then we have to revolt and then like spread across the board. Like, let's go get those cats. Love that. Yeah. I love that's fun. Yeah, I definitely do. With Marquita Cat, you start off with this huge target on your back because everything, <laughs> as far as the eye can see, this is our land, says the cat. And, yes. And the other ones are trying to take him down. And so you you really have to, the, the dynamic and how you interact with the other players is important too because at the beginning of the game, the target is completely on Marquita Cat. You know, the, the Eerie is only going to be attacking them. The, you know, the, the, Woodland the, Alliance. The Woodland Alliance, you know, they're gonna be they're gonna be trying to take them out too. But then at some point, pretty fairly early on, depending on on how everyone's spreading, you're gonna have to shift some of your attention because if you only focus on on one aspect of it, you might let the other character just kind of run away with the run away with the wind. So that's and, interesting. And that's the good and the bad. Like you know, it's like other area control games and stuff like that. If someone can be ignored. Or um, let me say this in a different way as well. If you're the other people that you're playing with aren't as maybe good as you either, like they can kind of mess the game up for you potentially if they're not paying attention to Dean, you know. And the people that I'm playing with are you know focusing more on attacking you know me, and they're not. And I'm sitting there going, "Come on, guys! Like we need to attack Dean, and they don't believe you. You know, they don't know how to play the game or whatever." So you you you. I, if you're really good at this game, you could still easily lose just because other people um, are not playing the game as well or whatever. And let me rephrase this. I don't want to say not playing well. That's 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 a poor way to say it. But if they're not, um, if you're not working together, or if they decide we're taking down Dean, we're taking him down. We're all against him. It's tough, you know. But that's like any other area control kind of battle kind of game. But it's not all battle because the Vagabonds, they join with people and stuff, but they're, trading and crafting and it's cool man how they're just different things going on in this forest yeah and that you have to pay attention to everything that's going on you can't just focus on what you're doing you have to know what the other players are doing and how you can work together yeah and battle against each other so so far we've had some pretty good positives are there any cons that you have that I, you've meant that you haven't mentioned yet in gameplay yeah i mean there it's it can be luck based you know if you draw bad cards 
it can be bad. You know, if especially you draw with of, the eerie. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you draw cards that you're not going to be able to play onto your board, if you draw cards that you're not going to be able to craft easily, that can be difficult, um, especially if other people are crafting a bunch of stuff. Um, and, and then the the luck of the die rolls can be pretty frustrating. Can be, you know, if that's if that's something that really irritates. I mean, you. as we mentioned earlier, I think in root you have to be pretty efficient in your moves. And twice in a row, when I played Dean, I rolled double zeros, meaning. I mean, I get the high die, so all I got to roll is at least a one on one of these things, <laughs> and I at least hit one of his guys. So to roll double zeros twice was just very. I, it was. I mean, it was frustrating. I don't mind losing, so it's not like I get angry about it. But I was just going, like, "Are you serious?" Right. Right. Yeah. One other thing that's kind of negative for me, and this is maybe your first couple times playing, you can really blow somebody out of the water in this game. If you, you know, if <laughs> yeah. you just let them, if you let go, the, the Erie's Dean's thinking of the games that we played. Some and of how those, he blew yes. us out of the water. I might be undefeated in this game, maybe. <laughs> I might never have won this game. <laughs> but you can really blow somebody out of the water. One with with card draws, if you if you have the right cards crafted, or with the eerie because they get point you know they can get five points every round yeah. if you let them go they they could very well destroy you especially if you do go like i said earlier to attack them to stop them and you roll double zeros twice yes and that gives them two whole rounds to go even further right and like that that can be frustrating and it's easier i think for the marquee to cat to really kind of stall out you know you might be yeah. getting a lot of things built, but then as you're expanding, you you have less space on the board to be you able do. to put your buildings. And in, in that same game that we were, that uh, referencing back to, um, I couldn't draw an ambush card. Didn't draw one ambush card. And his thing is to come attack and just plow through me. So there was no, I mean, it was just a lot of unlucky draws to be honest. And that's not. I mean, it was still really fun. I'm not poo pooing on that, but that is. Those can be a, a couple frustrating moments. Yeah, absolutely. But on the positive, if I can say this, and we didn't mention this yet, is that you go to 30 victory points to win the game. Whoever gets 30, it's over. Unless yes, you pull out a cool. dominance card. And a dominance card will say something like, if you um, are ruling the three fox clearings, or you're ruling two opposite diagonal corners of the board or something. And so this happened in Dean and I's game, where he had a significant victory point lead. And I love catch-up mechanisms. I do. I, I, don't, I don't love ones that I feel are unfair, though, at all. Like, I, I, that bothers me big time. But I had a decent amount on the board. I thought I was playing pretty well. I was just not quite getting, knocking out his roosts to stop him from scoring victory points. But I... I had a dominance card that almost had me win the game at the end when I was already I was down about ten victory points I think or something like that so he was in a significant lead but it almost helped me win and it didn't feel cheap no I felt like I had a good portion of the board that I was fortifying and stuff but then it's hard to do the dominance cards because you say I'm gonna have you have to control example you know three clearings of a certain type by the beginning of your next turn so that gives Dean another chance to come in and to take rule over that and that's what happened right right and yeah. i wasn't able to win but it really made it it kind of went from ah dean's winning it's getting let's just to a really tense few turns where the the tables had turned right. and it looked like i might have a chance to win and it made it more fun i think for both of us yeah absolutely because it, it wouldn't have felt cheap for me because the reality is you know that those dominance cards are in there and so you have exactly to be aware right. not only not only where they are on the board, but like what symbol is in the clearing that they rule, because yeah. you have to know 
this is a potential possibility, especially if you get way far ahead and they feel like there's no way that I can come back and win this. Their only option is going to be the dominance. That's cards. right. And you can play. I mean, you could sit there playing the whole time. I'm going to fortify these spots. I'm not going to score a ton of victory points. I don't care about that. I'm going to wait and I'm going to play the dominance card at the end. Boom. I've got this and I could win the game. And that, like, you're 100% right. There's not a ton of dominance cards. It's not that hard to know, oh, this could come out. Right. Right. You know, so I think it's super fair. Yeah, I mean, it might, it might be frustrating if you've never played the game before and someone mentioned it and, oh, you forgot about that, and then somehow they won. But the more you play it, I mean, it's just part of the game. Yeah. And I love that part of the game. Yeah. Um, my only other uh, negative and hesitation, I mean, I guess I say hesitation because I'm debating on what to rate this game, is I wonder if, and you can chime in here real quick if you want to, Dean, the way that you score victory per- points per faction is kind of one-sided it's kind of one-sided like i don't know one-sided is probably the wrong terminology but marquita cat you're scoring victory points by crafting not crafting by uh building buildings um and you can score them by crafting but honestly crafting doesn't give you a ton of points i don't feel like maybe i'm not playing the game right um when you're the eerie you're you're scoring points by getting roost out on the board so you're, it's super area control for that. You got to get out there, get your roost, control them, don't let people come. But you could get some points with crafting, but with the eerie, like you only get one point per craft because that's just part of their. The, each faction has positives and potentially a negative. Um, so I don't know. I worry that is it going to feel the same every time I play? It will feel different based on who's playing you for sure. But I tend to be a person who likes different ways to score victory points, and they're not a lot. There's just a couple, really. But then they have the dominance card. If you want to throw that in for ways to win, that would be, I think, about three ways to score points in most of the factions. Um, So, I don't know. Maybe it won't be an issue. It's one thing that makes me hesitant to say it's phenomenal because maybe it'll feel a little samey. But who knows? I may come back in a year from now and go, nope, doesn't feel samey at all. Well, and the other thing, we're talking about the base game. And yes. you know, there's there's an expansion that's already out the the River Folk, which has the River Folk Company and the Lizard Cult included in them, and then there's a an extra Vagabond, so you can play up to six players. And then there's another expansion that's releasing. It looks like in 2019, this is the Underworld expansion that has the Sweet. two extra expansions, and it has two extra maps where you can dig tunnels and stuff. So I think where the variability is going to come in is exploring all of those different factions and it you know they they really the sky's That's the limit true. for them you know yeah. the sky's the limit on how many factions they can have but i do agree with you just with the base game my concern is that am i going to get bored of this because i will be doing the same thing every time once i've explored all of these yeah that's i feel like that so uh, I feel like that. I don't know. That kind of came out a little funny. But let's go on to our final thoughts and our ratings. Before I do that, John, i got to ask you a real quick question. Man, what is you your... can ask me any question anytime. I'm what, ready. What is your favorite faction in this game? Oh, good question. Wow. I think I like the Woodland Alliance the best out of everything I've played thus far. I shouldn't have answered that then. I shouldn't have asked that. That's actually <laughs> you're gonna say the same thing. It's my favorite too. I have not played with Vagabond yet, uh, and I, I look forward to that. I, I would like to play with them or with him. But I Woodland Alliance is my favorite as well. But the Eerie is the one that I played. I've played the other three. The Eerie Dynasty like surprised Eerie. me the most. I think because I thought I don't know about the pre-programmed movements. Yeah. I wasn't super excited about that, but it's it's fun. It's a different kind of thinking, and it's a ton of fun. Yeah, I would say that's a it, it's a close second. And again, I think part of it honestly has to do thematically with me. 
Like I like to be the underdog. I like to think I like to be Katniss uh, <laughs> and go against the uh, capital. You know what I mean? Uh, I just that's 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 an intriguing storyline for me personally. I mean, personally, but I mean, I just like that idea. I don't like the idea of I'm dominating everyone and let me just hold my ground as much. Right. Right. Okay. So you asked me what my final rating is. Yes, I did. All right. So for me, I really enjoy how fast the turns are. You, you take your turn pretty quickly. And I really enjoy how much, how for such a, a shorter game, how much punch this game packs. Sure. You know, it, it packs a huge punch for a game that you can play in about an hour, hour and a half, something like that. So I had no expectations for liking this game, and I was really he was surprised. Booing it a little. I was, and now this game gets an eight and a half for wow, me. Wow! Yes, and conversion. Uh, I'm concerned that it'll either go down because of the things that we talked about with the replayability, or it could really go up as you know as I get deeper Where into the strategy and then maybe. check out yeah. these other factions. But right now. 8.5, which is really high. 8.5 out of 10. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I actually don't... I kind of have the same positives and negatives that Dean has said uh, and have the same concern. Like, this is one of the ones that I'm rating now going... I could see it going one way or the other by, you know, half a point to even a point in the future. Like, it's just... It's... You know, I've got we've got I've gotten several plays in. I've I've played it, but it there's just seems like there's a lot to explore in this game. Um, so this is gonna be one of my higher ratings though. I'm gonna go ahead and I was hesitant to do it, but I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. I love the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the components, and though gameplay is by far the most important thing to me, the art can be poo. And if the gameplay is amazing, I'm still gonna rate it really high. Just just to be real, uh, and the gameplay it was fun. Um, there's a lot of tense moments, and I tend to enjoy that in games. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I thought it was a good game. I think that you should really check you should check it out if you want to play a, a medium heavy game. I guess it's not heavy, but it's there's but there's, there's a, a steep lot, learning curve. Yeah, there's a steep learning curve. So something that we Dean and I also would like to kind of do as we talk about strengthening and building community is to throw out another game like you may say oh well that sounds cool but that sounds a little too heavy for me it's my family yeah yeah, my family's or maybe i would love to play it but i you know tend to play with folks that like simpler games so we want to kind of throw out another game that maybe it's not exactly like it but if you are interested in this but want to play something that's a little simpler um just kind of throw that out so dean what do you want to what do you think we should throw out here is something that's a simpler game um it's not it's hard to find a simpler asymmetric game where right. you're doing different things, but maybe something area controly, battley. What, what would you say? I think for me, the the thing that I would throw out there is probably Small World. It's it's a game Agreed. that's a family weight game. You have the area control. You're picking your different factions with powers that have different abilities, and so it you know it's not at all the same game. Don't don't mishear me in that. But if you're looking for something like Root that's more family weight, I think Small World's probably the way to go. Small World is one of the games that really kind of got me going with a lot of people in, in board gaming like it's it's i've used it as a gateway game a lot like people who have maybe not played much or maybe played Catan, and then i just knew that they would like this kind of war battley type of of game and i i mean i still like small world for sure it's a it's a really good game um and i would so i would highly recommend it if you haven't checked out small world and you want something a, um, a little simpler but a ton of fun just because it's more complex doesn't mean it's better 
Yeah. There may be people that would like Small World for sure over Root. That's right. But if you if Root doesn't sound like it's something too complex, I think you can get this game for about, what, $40, $45 or something like that? Yeah, 45 bucks. We didn't say that either, so... Yeah, but if, if it's something... And I think it's worth the $45, one, if, if this sounds interesting. Can I say 1,000% it's worth the 45 bucks? Yes. I mean, there's so many is. games out there that cost a lot more than that with not as much punch. So, yeah, if this sounds interesting to you... You can go. I mean, I think last time I checked on Amazon, it's it's back in it, for a while. It was tough to get, but it seems like it's back in stock now, most places. And it was, I think, forty seven bucks when I checked yesterday. Boom, get it. Yep, that's it. John gave it a nine. I gave it an eight and a half. Now let's go on to our top five board games that we enjoy playing with our wives. All right, so what we talked about earlier is that we enjoy strengthening communities through board games. And yes, so one of the things that we also enjoy doing is strengthening our marriages through board gaming. That is always a positive thing. It when is. You are strengthening your marriages. And it was Valentine's Day. Yes. Not too long ago. So yes. go for it, Dean. That's exactly right. And so John and I wanted to talk about our top five board games that we enjoy playing with our wives. So let me let me give you some background on this. One, we worked on these lists with our wives. So John got with with Larissa, I got with Amanda, and we said, what are the top five games that we enjoy playing together? Just the two of us. And they don't have to be two-player games, but it's just the the two player, the games that we play as two players yeah. the best. What are those games? And I will say this, it's interesting. I've, I've seen your list and, and you've seen mine. They're very different. Part of that is my wife is a teacher, and when she gets home from teaching... She She's most exhausted. of the time does not want to play board games. We spend a lot of our time playing board games during the winter breaks, spring break, and summer yeah. break. Um, so a lot of our games are at this very moment in February in the peak of school. What are the favorite games that we enjoy playing right now? Yeah, and you know, when my wife, uh, she does a little substitute teaching here and there, and that's obviously not as uh, taxing as being a teacher and having to grade papers and stuff when you come home, but... I will have to almost pull her to the game table sometimes after she gets done <laughs> subbing for the day. Like she's like, oh really? Um, especially because she does do a lot of cooking. I do enjoy cooking and stuff. But she does a lot of that kind of stuff. So, like at, you cut working all day and then doing some of that uh, it can really wear you out. So even some of the games on this list, most of them are not terribly long, but some of them they're not quick games. Sure, yeah, but they are the ones that we do you know, enjoy playing the best. And again, they're not necessarily, they're not solely two player games, but we have, when we came up with the list, as Dean said, it's games that we play as two players. So there's some that my wife and I thought we love this game, but only with other people. Right. When it's two players, it's just not as good. Sure. Yeah. We had, we had several of those that we had to kind of whittle down, but let's go ahead and get on to our list. I'll start with my number five, which is a game that we've talked about on here before. But our number five is King Domino, which is a two to four player game by Blue Orange Games designed by Bruno Cathala. We've talked about that on the podcast. We've talked about King Domino a few times, right? <laughs> a game that Amanda and I really <laughs> enjoy playing. I'm just kidding. Yeah. We actually, we probably prefer to introduce this to, to people who don't know board games as much. But if it's a night where we're both pretty wiped, this is one of our go-to games because it plays quick. We enjoy the strategy of it. Not a lot to say because we've already talked about it so much, but but we enjoy King Domino. Yeah, we've talked about King Domino quite a bit. I will say this um, as a positive, and if you've listened to our podcast, I'm not a King Domino fan much at all. But this last weekend, I brought it up to my mom and my dad who are just I'm getting them into playing board games. And so dad and I played a game. And I mean, I enjoyed the game. 
And and he did too. I I haven't followed up with him yet to say have you have you and mom actually been playing, but um but he 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 seemed like he in, enjoyed it. So anyway, I get it. There you go. What's your number five? <laughs> <laughs> it's fun because you don't get to see what's happening. Uh, Dean makes these crazy faces and these weird nods at me. And, and I had like, just uh, taken a drink of coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did just take a drink of coffee. So our number five is a game. Um, that we've been, it's probably maybe the one we've been playing the longest on this list. And it's a great pickup and deliver uh, game by Pegasus Spiel. Uh, the designer is Rudiger Dorn, and that is Istanbul. Uh, the first time that we played this together, this is one of my wife's favorites. Like, this is one that she really advocated for on this list. Um, it is a great pickup and deliver game. It's, you have to learn where all the spots are. And you're going, you're picking up, um, you're uh, trying to get rubies. I'm not going to go through all this because we're just doing a top five list. But you're going to all these different places and there's, what are there, like 15 places or something like that? Six, I don't remember. But you have to learn what every single spot on the board does. So 16, at, I think. 16. Is, yeah. So at, at the beginning, yeah, because it has to be, uh, yeah. At the beginning, it can be, uh, newer people, it's a little overwhelming. Like they have to learn, okay, this is what you know the caravansary does this is what this spot does this is what the found does blah 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 but after you play about halfway through a game it's pretty simple and straightforward i think yeah i agree this is one i've actually been wanting to introduce amanda to recently we just haven't had a chance to sit down and play this one but i i really enjoy istanbul yeah if you want a, a, a not too weighty pick up and deliver but something with meat on it i would Hugely recommend Istanbul. Yes. So, what about number four? Our number four is Patchwork, which is Ooh. by designer Uwe Rosenberg, and it comes from uh, Mayfair Lookout Games. And this is a two-player only game. This this one actually comes out quite a bit. Maybe not as much as is hmm. maybe another one or two on this on this list. But in Patchwork, you are building a patchwork quilt using polyomino pieces. So it's essentially Tetris the board game. <laughs> and it's it's really simple because you 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 pay for these pieces with uh, with buttons. You 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 get buttons, and those are kind of your victory points at the end of the game. Anytime you're wanting to build a quilt, you just go down to the quilting shop and pay with buttons. Yes, there you go. That's exactly how real life works. Um, but this game is it's it's really simple. It's fun. If you enjoy Tetris style games, which we do, this is probably our favorite of of those style games. I think. You know what's interesting to me, Dean, is that. You have expressed little to no interest in um, Cottage Garden, in Indian Summer, in uh, Spring Meadow, and yet this is on your top five favorite games with your wife. Is it because you think you've played Patchwork, it's streamlined, you love it, so you're not so interested in another type, right? That's exactly right. So Baron Park is another game that's not going to be on this list, but it's one that we enjoy as well. And so in my mind, I think... I don't know how much difference they're going to... Now, I've played the apps for Cottage Garden and Indian Summer, and I enjoy them, but I don't feel the need to really introduce them to my wife because we already have these games. Something similar, yeah. That makes perfect sense. I, I, I love Patchwork. I, I quite enjoy it. We've, we kind of wore it out when we first got it, actually, so it's not on the list because we just we played it a ton when we first got it. So Yeah. All right, so my number four is a game that some people may say, you play this with two players? And that's one that we've actually, and I've talked about this on the podcast, you know, we just were introduced to this a couple months ago, even though it's been out for several years, and that's Scythe. Like, Larissa and I have really jumped all over this game and enjoy it big time. Um, You know, I think it's probably best at, you know, four players or whatever, but, you know, if you don't want a ton of confrontation, 
you can play scythe with two players and you don't have you don't battle that much maybe over the factory in the middle you'll go for a war but if you just want to kind of see how can i be the most efficient with my faction in producing resources and you know enlisting soldiers and all that kind of stuff i think it's fine as a two-player game and we've played it uh, a lot and it's fun yeah, I I enjoy Scythe. I've never played it as a two player game. I don't think. But yeah, I was I was really like hesitant, I guess, to play it as a two player game. Thinking is this and even my wife like after we first got it, it took weeks before we were like, do we want to play this two players? You know, and then we're right. like, you know what? Let's 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 give it a shot. And we gave it a shot, and we were surprised at you know how much we thought it was. We were like, yeah, that's a pretty fun game at two players. So, anyways, that is my number four, Scythe. Excellent. So our number three is uh, kind of a combo game. I, I put down Pandemic and Pandemic the Cure, cool. which is uh, by Z-Man. Matt Leacock is the designer. This I'm, I'm actually going to focus on Pandemic the Cure because I feel like a lot of people know about Pandemic but may not know about Pandemic sure. the Cure. Uh, but Pandemic the Cure is a dice game, and you are trying to save the world, essentially, from a pandemic. But it plays out differently than, than the normal Pandemic does. You're going to be rolling dice, and you're going to be remo- removing these the different disease cubes based on your dice roll. And you have to move around your pawn onto a different continent of the world. And so you're going to be sailing into spaces right next to you or you can fly across the the board and you really have to work together the the character cards play out pretty cool, the components are a lot of fun. Pandemic the Cure is a quick game. We play in about 20 to 30 minutes, I think. And it's uh, it, it's one that's easier to set up, and so if it's a hey, let's let's knock a game out. Yeah. This is the one that comes out. I actually kind of maybe even prefer this to base pandemic. Yeah, so that's one I've not played, and I've really wanted to play. But you know why I haven't played it, Dean? Why? My wife hates pandemic. Oh, okay. She does not like it. Like it's hugely disappointing for me who got Pandemic Legacy uh, Season 1 for Christmas. And I was like, all right, cool, because we haven't done Legacy games together. Let's play this. We played one round, and she was just like, "I." it may be partially my fault. I try my hardest not to dominate in these co-op games. And I do. I literally sit back and go, to, like, I'm not going to make a decision. For whatever reason, it frustrates. Like, she thinks that she doesn't get to make as many decisions, but then whenever I say, why don't you make the decision, she would wants to hear my input. And so for some weird reason, she just doesn't like... She doesn't really like co-op games at all and doesn't like Pandemic. So, um, unfortunately, it would that would be something I would see being on my personal list if I could, but doesn't like it, and which is weird because it's overwhelmingly enjoyed. Yeah, co-op games are not for everybody, it's but not, we enjoy them. I, and I don't want to go too far, but I took her to an escape room. She hated it because she doesn't like to be wrong about things. I'm just being real. And so she doesn't like suggesting things that might be a bad idea. And so she literally sat there. She's going to listen to this. I hope she doesn't get upset. But she really sat there, just sat down the whole time, and it was just it was a horrible experience for her. Yeah. So because of that, she just isn't a person that likes collaborating with folks in a, in a, in a co-op setting for whatever reason. So anyway... I just want to tell people that to say you should check out Pandemic if you want a cool co-op game. Absolutely. What's your number two? Are you number three? Number three. Number sorry. three. All right. So actually, before I say my number three, I forgot to mention that Jamie Stegmeyer was the designer of Scythe. I think most people. Well, you know what? 
you know, there are people who haven't played as many games, and that's why we like to build community. So we need to say these types of things because some people may be like, that's a no-brainer. It's easy when you kind of get in your own bubble and think everyone knows things, and it's just not true. So our number three is a game that we really, really enjoy, and I think Dean really enjoys this as well, and that is Stone Age. Uh, it's a burned Brunhofer game, and, you know, in Stone Age, you're... You're going out and collecting resources and buying hut cards and different types of cards and stuff to score victory points. Cool, just a really good classic Euro game. It's been out since, I don't know, about 10 years, I think, or something like that. Uh, I can look it up. Yeah, the right 10 year here. anniversary yep. just came out. I'm waiting on it. That's yeah, why it's not 2008. on my list. It's, I, what I really enjoy about it is that it's not overly complex, but it does add some, you know, you have interesting decisions that's going throughout the course of the game. I've, I've used this as a game as maybe a step up after a gateway game for people in the, in the past, and they really like it. Because it's 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 it is pretty straightforward to learn. Um, and anyways, my wife and I have a blast at this. We like playing it at two players. It's fun at two players. It's a pretty quick game, um, especially when everyone knows what they're doing. We we love Stone Age. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm waiting on my copy of this game. <laughs> uh, I, I ordered the the 10th anniversary edition. It's actually well, my wife did. She got it for me for Christmas. I actually think that she'll love this game, and it probably would have made our list had we played it. Had yeah. she played it. It's so. just a good game, man. It's just a solid good yeah. game. Like I remember the first time I looked at it, the box art, I was like, huh? Like it for a while I didn't even play it because I was just like it didn't really draw me in. But from the first time I played it, I was like, this is streamlined, this is smooth, this is a fun game. Um, everything works together and there's interesting decisions that you're playing that you're that you're making throughout the game. And if you haven't played Stone Age, it, it is highly recommended. Check it out. All right, my number two is Seven Wonders Duel, which is oh, another yeah. two-player-only game. Uh, designer is Antoine Bauza and Bruno Cathala, and this is by Repost Production. And in Seven Wonders Duel, you're going to be taking going through three different ages, and you're going to be drafting cards into, into your tableau in front of you. And these cards will be resources, or they'll be uh, just these monuments for victory points they might be science cards or, or military cards and if you played seven wonders the main game you'll kind of get the idea but my wife really prefers the dual version she actually hates seven wonders that's not a game that she enjoys at all i like both of them but seven wonders dual is unique in that you can actually outright win through military victory like or that. through science victory and how you do that is your your military marker is going to slide back and forth. There's this tug of war um, uh, kind of thing going on with the military. And if you push that that marker all the way over to their side, you'll win. Have you ever won like that? No, I, I, I can say I hardly ever win this game. Anyway, I, I literally last time we played, I said I don't care about anything except for winning military the military victory and couldn't do it. Oh, well, my wife beats me that way a lot. Really? Yeah, she she's won the vill- so I was, military So I was victory. wondering if it was just really tough. I, I was like one step away. I almost won, but I couldn't do it, and I felt like it was difficult. Anyways, didn't mean to interrupt you there, but no, I just wondered fine. if you... So yep. she has, that's cool. So she, yeah, she has... I would say that's probably the way she wins more often than not is, is through military victory because I tend to focus on the science aspect mm. and trying to win through science victory. So if you get... Uh, I think it's six of the science tokens, different science tokens, you win the game. 
And that's usually the way that I like to focus, but I, I, it doesn't pay off for me. She's also won that way before. So Yeah, it's, it's, it, Seven Wonders Duel was a game that if we had a six or seven on this list, it probably would have been. Like, we did toss We really thought about putting this on our top five. We love Seven Wonders, though. Like, we both love Seven Wonders. Uh, Seven Wonders Duel, though, you know, I played it the first time thinking, can this be as good as Seven Wonders? Like, it just seems like, you know, a lot of times when they make a card game of a game, a dice game, it just makes you want to play the actual game. But this right. doesn't this doesn't leave you feeling like that, and I think it's because there's different ways to win. In regular Seven Wonders, it's a victory point game at the end, whoever has the most wins. This, add that, this added that cool military victory, a cool way to win with science, and it'll, so victory points might not even matter. Right. You know, and, and so that's, that's, and I would say more often than not, actually, I've gone to the victory point. Like the winner has gone that route. Um, but uh, it's, it's a really fun game. So if you've played Seven Wonders and like it, but haven't tried Seven Wonders Duel, I highly recommend Seven yeah. Wonders Duel. And if you're looking for a great two player game with your spouse or for, with whomever, like it's very high on my list as it's one of my top five favorite two player games strictly two-player games for sure well, a lot of people agree because on on board game geek it's ranked number 14 overall the seven wonders oh games. i didn't realize it was that high oh yeah yeah people love this game it's, it's great a, it is I and, totally it, and it's it. pretty light too which is nice it plays in like probably 30 minutes yeah sounds good all right your number two my number two man i think that we should have had stonemeyer games sponsor this segment because <laughs> our number two is another stegmeyer game it is a game that's been out for several years, and it is phenomenal. That game is Viticulture. Yes. Now, in Viticulture... We see, love this game, too. Yeah, it's fun. It's a worker placement game. You own your own vineyard, so you're going out and you're trying to uh, just make yours really the most profitable vineyard. Uh, but it the theme really grabs us. Because I, my wife and I, I remember uh, several years ago, we got a chance to go to like the Sonoma Valley, and I'm always interested in like small home kind of homemade things. Like I like to go to dives and stuff where you can like get to know the people who actually make the food, and, and it was really fun to go around to these really small places where you got to meet the people who who actually. Uh, make the wine or who their grandfather or grandfather's grandfather had vineyard, you know, the, the vines were on there. So because of that, I've always like had in the back of my mind, like that'd be so cool, you know, to own like a farm or to own a vineyard or something like that. So because of that, the theme immediately grabbed me, but the gameplay is a straight up awesome worker placement game. There's great decisions to be made. You can you can block other people. And I like that you can block other people from getting to know, go where they want to go. Um, they add the cards in there are really cool. So theme, it's streamlined, and I think Board Game Geek would agree because it's ranked twenty overall. Yeah, yeah, it's Great it's game. a really it's a really good game. I enjoy it for all the things that you said. It's if you remember when I talked about Keyflower about that game that you just kind of settle in and it feels really relaxing. Yep, I feel that same way in Viticulture. It's just a fun. Let me sit down and make some wine game. It's enjoyable. It is. I yeah I. I, another one that I, this whole list, like, I, I know that it's my list, but even on Dean's, I, I, besides King Domino, uh, I just, these are all really good games. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. King Domino will be definitely great for a lot of folks out there. Yeah. So what is your number one? Our number one is also probably the, the heaviest game on this list. Uh, not the heaviest game that we play for sure, but it is Village. And this is by Yay! Inca and Marcus Brand, which is cool because Inca and Marcus Brand are 
married and they make board games together. Oh, that's cool. And so, um, and it's by Eggert Spiel is the one who publishes it, I think, worldwide now. And in Village, you are in this old medieval village, and you're going to be. It's it's kind of a. a a worker displacement game, I think. I don't know if, or and a worker placement, but you have all these cubes on the board, and you're going to be taking these cubes off the board. And when you do that, you take the action that it's associated with. So you might be building, a, you know, building a cart, or you might be selling goods at the market, or you might be trying to get up in the on the church track, or work with the council, the city council, or something like that. And you're going to be going around removing these these cubes from the board, and then they also are used, those same cubes are used to pay for certain goods. So you have to use those those cubes to be able to take certain actions that you take. You can also travel around the board. And it's, a, it's a, I think, a pretty simple game. It says the weight is 3.07 out of 5, which is like the, the heaviness of the game. I don't think this is a heavy game at all. It also, it, it plays pretty quickly within an hour or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I can actually chime in on that because I just taught my uh, couple people this game last week. And I will say that it took them a little longer than I thought, but I, I didn't win. The guy who had never played won the game. Okay. So it took him just a little bit to get into, and they both did. The two new players both did very well. So I, I agree with you. I, it, it was a little more than I thought, um, but after they kind of got into the flow, they both did very well. So it's not too bad at all. Yeah, but we've we've really enjoyed this. We've had this for years. We have the expansions. We typically just play with ends on there. Uh, I don't think that we've played together with the harbor, if I remember, or the port, whatever that third second yeah. expansion is. You can actually. If you're interested in these games, you can usually find a good deal on Village, I think. Man, I found a great deal. Remember that? Oh, that's right. Yes. Whenever, around yes. Christmas or the Black Friday deals or whatever, I got Village for like $14. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that is my best buy ever. I mean, like, it, 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 I love Village. It's a fantastic game. I would, I would have enjoyed it being on this list. However, the list is made with my wife and I, yes. and she doesn't, she thinks it's okay. She doesn't hate it, but she just she said like thematically she she theme really matters to her and just being in a village and going and selling things at a market and going to the church and like it's, it's just, very classic Euro style game which I love yeah and so I I love Village and if you want to if you want a classic Euro that's not like I think Village and Stone Age are two really good yeah like Euro classic Euro games that aren't too heavy that are just phenomenally fun yes absolutely yeah. what is your number one my number one is a shock i wouldn't i don't even know if because we made this list together like i don't know if i would have even had this on my top i wasn't sure but as we talked about it and just thought of like how much fun we've had playing this game together um it's a new game a game we've talked about on the podcast extensively it's a james a wilson game it's a starling game. Uh, yes. Our number one game, totally surprising to me, was we agreed on Everdell. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to jump on like hype trains and get all this, but I mean, we've had it for a while now, and it is a great worker placement, tableau building. I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast, really cool art, um, a lot of good combo chaining effects that go on in it, so it kind of reminds us a little of Seven Wonders, but then you've got the Viticulture worker placement. And so for whatever reason, again, this is kind of a shock to me. Not not that it's, Everdell is not a good game. I love Everdell. I mean, I gave it a 9.5, I think. And I'm still stand by that. Like I really yep. enjoy Everdell, but I just I was surprised. I think maybe my wife liked it as much, in that it made top five, but 
the number one of our top five, but number one, our favorite game to play together is Everdell. Very cool. Amanda and I actually just played this about a week and a half ago, and same thing for us. It, it's not in our top five, but top ten it would have made it, I'm pretty sure. So That's really cool. Hey, do you have any honor, honorable mentions? I do. I don't honorable. Do. Well, I could toss around a few that we were borderlining. It's Seven Wonders Duel was okay. one of those. Um, Terraforming Mars was one. Even at two players, we quite enjoy Terraforming Mars. My wife really, but it wasn't for me. I'll just throw the last one. She really likes Raiders of the North Sea. Okay. She tends to like games, I think, if you go on Board Game Geek, that are about two and a half. Mm -hmm. Like a little under three. Like she kind of likes that where where there's some decisions, but it's not uh, overwhelmingly... um, complicated or whatever and i think that north raiders of the north sea fits right in that lane for me i i think it's just it's a good game but not a great game so i said nah i can't put that on the list babe but she really enjoyed it. i like architects way better sure yeah but. i for us uh, i've mentioned a couple of the of our honorable mentions earlier but but two that i want to throw out there mr jack which is a two-player I've only game one player's i want uh, to yeah, one player's the the bad guy trying to escape Sherlock, and you know it's it's a fun, quick, maybe thirty minute game, uh, cat and mouse type game. It's fun, and then Bruges is one that we've played quite a bit over the years, which is a Stefan Feld game, and another kind of heavier, uh, mainly card based, uh, multi purpose card game. Which we really, I love Bruges. I think it's fantastic, but I also really like Stefan Feld. Uh, don't we all? Yes. Not really, don't we all, but me, Dean and I at least do. If you don't like Euro games, you won't like him. But if you do, he is the king of Euro games. So much fun. <laughs> so much fun. All right. Well, that is going to do it for episode number nine. Don't forget about our giveaway of Root. Make sure to let people know about us. And we appreciate you guys listening to us. And we look forward to seeing you at episode number 10. Thanks for joining us. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Meepletown Games. And connect with us on the Meepletown Guild, guild number 3407, at boardgamegeek.com. And also subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Meepletown.